guest today is Patrick Combs. He is a Hall of Fame inspirational speaker, a best-selling author, a highly acclaimed comedic entertainer, a partner in Bliss Champions, and most recently a co-author of a report called Unlocking Your Purpose. Unlocking Your Purpose can be found on PurposeCode.com. You can download it for free, and it's an amazing report that will help you to get your mind to start thinking about what your purpose is in life, what you're here to do, and what makes your soul sing. I was really excited about having this interview with Patrick, and you'll see it in my eyes and my expressions when you watch the YouTube video down the road. This was by far one of my most exciting interviews that I have done because Patrick is a person who has found his bliss and lives joyfully every day. It was an interview that I just simply couldn't wait to have. Thank you so much for listening. Now sit back and enjoy this interview with Patrick Combs. All righty. Hey, Patrick. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you here, man. I've been waiting for this, as you know, for quite a long time. Few few months now, I think. So I'm really yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, yeah as, as I have been, too. I'm excited to be here with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I do appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're a busy guy. So. Um, what, so what I like to do is I was very intrigued by us meeting, even though it was all via the web. But I had this opportunity to see you talk to the group that I was in and learn a little bit more about you. But what's amazing, and you already know this about yourself, is your storytelling and all of that. But before we get into all that, I want to kind of uh, give the audience the backstory of who you are and your progression, where you came from. And then we're going to talk about all the cool things that are happening today, because I know you have, like me, a lot of irons in the fire, but you have some really unique things you're working on, things that actually resonate deeply with me, and that's the connection I have with you. And so uh, I'd like for you to explain who, where you came from, who you are, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty of everything. Okay, that's nice, Joe. Well, I am, I am, um, I was raised by a single mother uh, in Bend, Oregon, which a lot of people are familiar with these days, because I guess Bend's super big and super nice. But when I was in Bend, it was super nice, but not super big. It was 16,000 people. And I was, my mother, a licensed practical nurse, raised my brother and I on a very small salary. In high school, we were living in a trailer house, which was no problem. Um, but, you know, let me just sort of sketch. And nobody from our family had ever gone to college. Um, but my mom was a pioneer. She was the one from our family tree that was reaching for more. Um, and her primary way of doing that was to encourage my brother and I with phrases like, do what you love learn to work with your mind. Don't worry about your mistakes. Look it up for yourself in the encyclopedias. That's what I bought those damn things for. And so I was the first person from my family uh, to go to college. And um, in college, it's first at Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon. 
and then at San Francisco State, I just began to really realize that my purpose had something to do with uplifting and performing. And today I know my, I'm 54 and I know my purpose very clearly. It is through performance and story to uplift. Um, and so, but it, but you know, it, it, you, you know, in your twenties, you're trying to figure out what to do with your life. Um, I felt all the calls, all the tugs in the direction of my purpose. And I could not be more grateful that just by, by God's grace, um, I feel so, I don't feel very responsible. The, the older I get, the less responsible I feel for my choices. I just feel grateful for them. Awesome. But the greatest choice I ever made in my, in, in, I think the first greatest choice I ever made in my life was that I was going to be an inspirational speaker come hell or high water is starting at 26 years old and an author. And so <laughs> without any connections, without quote the appropriate background or credentials or accomplishments, I did that. Um, I became an ins a paid professional inspirational speaker and it's 25 years later and I've spoken all over the place. I've, there's been a million people that have, that have been in front of me and my audiences listening to me wax on. <laughs> um, and then along the way I expand, you know, I, I took that purpose and, and I expanded into other joyful callings. The, the, the second that I'm the second sort of biggest imprint that I'm known for, I think is that I created a comedic solo comedy show for uh and i performed it all around the world in theaters so if you look in broad strokes at me if you go oh patrick combs who who is this guy and you read my bio and stuff you you read hall of fame inspirational speaker you read comedic performer with the smash hit show and an author a five, five or six time author so that's what i look like on paper um, and behind the scenes, you know, I have just, uh, I have, I, I just live doing what I love. That's been the great aim of my life to live doing what I love, um, to place my joy even above my, my, uh, above money, because somehow I knew early on that if I placed money above joy, I would not end up joyful. And probably not even end up wealthy. <laughs> so, so uh, today I have a third company, and it's called Bliss Champions. And I and my business partner and I help people really lock into that great truth, unlock their purpose, and maximize their joy. So, I have so many questions. I want to go back to the early part of this, which is you were lucky enough to have a mother that instilled what she did in you with that positive reinforcement. I think if when I listen to other people talk who had struggles creating the life that they would ultimately wanted, it seems that we trace a lot of that back to how you were brought up 
and what was said to you by your parents. That's the ultimate, it seems to be the ultimate catalyst of what you end up becoming. And the people that had incredible reinforcement and go ahead, make mistakes, whatever, follow your dream, follow what you love, all of that stuff, they end up becoming these incredible people. And the ones that didn't have that struggle through ridding that from their brains and flushing all of that garbage out and then having to kind of rebuild themselves at a, at a, you know, somewhere in the middle at an older age. And then eventually the hope is that that leads them. So yes and no. Okay. Right. So for me, a hundred percent. Yes. You know, my mother, my mother gave me the foundation, uh, the schemata and the foundation, both the, both the sort of the, the loving, the loving, positive self reinforcement of positive self-esteem combined with really great directives. I mean, she was my first Joseph Campbell, right? He Mm -hmm. said, follow your bliss. And she said, do what you love. But when you, you know, when you counter correctly and I want to add something to it when you say, well, and then what if you got negative messages from your parents? Well, you know, that's Howard Stern and that's Bono Mm -hmm. and that's Oprah. So what I know is the difference between though, is that, because I'm really fascinated with how Howard, this conversation Howard Stern and Bono had once, um, both sharing that. So it seems like if if you got no love, speaking for men specifically, you got no love from your, if you're trying to somehow live up to a father that beat you down, seems like tremendous success is often created, but then you have to reckon with why you created it, what mm-hmm. foundation it was created upon, emotional, psychological foundation it was created on. At some point, I think there's a reckoning for all of us in our childhood, you know, to say, hey, no one gets out of their childhood unscathed by the, by the inadvertent or accidental mistakes of their parenting or perceived mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, no one gets out of that. You know, I came out of my childhood heavily damaged um, by my mother's suicidal nature, mm-hmm. you know, so I just wanted to sort of add that footnote. Joe. Yeah, no, I, I and I and I look at this sometimes through my own lens that my mother struggled, her family struggled financially, her father was an alcoholic, left them, her mother had to take care of them all. And so when she, when she was raising us, it was always a very cautious sort of raising. It's like, do something that, that makes a living, you get health insurance, like a very sort of secure, protective sort of thing. And I think that in my own brain uh, caused me to not necessarily do all that I thought I could do. Cause I just always felt this, this limitation of, no, you shouldn't do that. And I was pursuing a music career. It's like, music, you know, music, that's a very, very hard career path, like acting and other things like that. Right. And so, um, so when I, when I think about this and we have this conversation, my father was very much would push me to say, go do, you know, do that, but it'd be more quiet. Like my mother took care of us, right. He was working. So she got the say, and it was like, you can't, you just can't go do something like that. You have to take the safer route. Right? Now that's, so, that's impactful, right? That, right. that, 
that's your first introduction to the rule book for how to proceed yep. in your life. And you were given the one that said, proceed with caution. Correct. And boy, that, I mean, yeah, I was given the opposite rule book. Yeah. I really was. I was given a very different rule book and that matters, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. It matters until it doesn't matter. As Eckhart Tolle says about suffering, suffering matters and is helpful until it doesn't matter and it's no longer helpful. Mm -hmm. Right. So as soon as we wake up to, oh, shit, that's the rule book I had. Now we're free to grab a different one off the yep. shelf. Yep. And it's just whatever that triggers that. And, and whether that's reading different things and being around people that like yourself that create this this aura of like, no, this, there's another way. <laughs> this is one life. Go do it. You right. know, no one's around anymore to tell you what to do, especially people yeah. that are older, right? It's just, yeah. go. And there's no safety in playing it safe. Right. You know, would be the title of my rule book. <laughs> no safety in playing it that's, safe. That's hey, the that's, greatest risk of all. That could be the next title of your next book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we get to all that other stuff. So then the next thing that you talked about was the speaking part of it. And I know there's so many people out there and there'll definitely be people in my audience that listen to this and then eventually watch the YouTube version of this, that look there, they would love to do that sort of thing. And it's hard to get someone that has had such great success at it, like you to where I have you one-on-one -on -one at this moment say, well, how did you do that? What was the first step? And then what was the part that, you know, finally went to something much bigger and then where you are now where the, the audiences are huge. You're speaking fees. I, you know, they could be, I don't know what they're, they're, big. Are, they're big. They're so, big. Right. So they're joyfully I, big. Good. So uh, what was the first, how did you get into it? So let's, I'm going to go fast and, and I'm going to speak to two different directions. Cause I heard you very specifically first, I'm going to go fast on how I got into it. But mm -hmm. second, I'm going to couple that if you don't mind with what I would do today, if I was starting perfect, because they're different worlds. Mm -hmm. um, but what they both have in common is the psychology that's necessary. Okay. Um, so let me address the psychology last. Okay. What I did is at 26 years old, I naively said, naively and powerfully and potently said, I want to be a speaker, so I, I want to be paid at it. So how do I get a paid speaking engagement? And it didn't take much looking to say, I have to tell people I'm a paid speaker. So I made, I bought a mailing list of every college uh, in the United States, half of, half of all colleges in the United States of America, those that were part of an association looking for all kinds of talent. And, and then I made an ugly ass flyer and I licked and stamped 1,250 envelopes and I put them all in the mailbox. And, I, and then I, and then I waited for the incoming, you know, interest, interested prospects. And I cold called and, uh, and, and failed 40 incoming prospective cold calls. I failed 40 out of 40 of them. And then the universe's uh, magic that is always present will always show up, kicked in. And another lead came in and I followed it up. And after four months of failed, failed calls, um, I got a yes. Blackhawk Technical College in Wausau, Wisconsin for $1,200 total, airfare included. Wow. And I was off and running. Yeah. You know? Um, so... 
you can hear both the, you can hear the, you know, the, the challenge of it and the mechanics of how simple I somehow intuited the path to be. And I see people overcomplicate marketing all the time, especially in today's world where marketing is super sophisticated and, you know, your call, it looks like you have to be, you have a billion followers and all this stuff and none of it's, it's rarely ever true. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, if, but, but I was launching myself as a speaker in 1992 when if you wanted to have a voice in the world and you wanted to be paid for it, there was, you know, a keynote speaking was it. You know, I was looking up to the Tom Peters of the world mm -hmm. who were being paid $50,000 and, and they were like, oh, wow, Jesus, Tom Peters has a job where he gets up in front of people. They pay him to give his opinion and his advice. Jesus, I wanted that so bad. <laughs> I wanted that so freaking bad. So I went after it very directly. Who would pay me to speak to them and give them advice? Who could I command their attention of and be 100% confident I can tell you something that's beneficial? Mm -hmm. And it was college students. I said, oh, I know what to say to college students because I was there just three years ago and they're not getting the truth about what it takes to, to, to grab that job you're passionate about and go for it. So, and therein lies the, the, the deep psychology of what it takes. It's, it's answering a tug on your sleeve from your soul that says, you have something to, you want this and you've, and you've got something to say, but the hardest choice the, 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 the first three steps are the hardest. One is to recognize you got a tug on your sleeve. Your soul is saying that would be incredible and something is there for us. I believe in that more than I believe in anything in the world. Something in, in Stephen Jobs said it, something inside you intuitively knows what you already want to be. Yeah. Something inside me intuitively knew I wanted to be on stages inspiring people, uplifting people. To answer that call is difficult. It's hard as hell. Only the most courageous, no, only those who find a, their moment of courage will do it. Because you don't, there's no such thing as being courageous. There's just being courageous in the right moments. Mm -hmm. So once you answer that, then the second giant hurdle you got to get over, even in today's world is what's my message? Because the number one thing that powers a speaking career is confidence that you deserve to be on that stage. And it's hard as hell to find if you don't know where to look. And so that confidence has to be built on who can I confidently be certain I could make a difference with because of what I know and I've experienced and I've overcome. See, at 26 years old, I could not have built a successful speaking career speaking to corporate audiences. Why? I, I had fantasies about it because Tom Peters was the guy I was looking up to, but I could not find a firm ground, firm ground to stand on and say, I can walk into a corporate audience and tell them what's up. At 26, no, I haven't worked at a corporation. So we, so the deepest, the second deepest question that you answer for yourself is who? Come on, just tell me. Who in front of you? 
Who do I put in front of you that you go, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> I can do this. And when you nail that, boy, you're like nuclear powered. Now all you got to do is say, great, how do I tell them I'm available for hire? How do I tell the right people I'm available for hire? But so to, in today's world though, so here's the nuance in today's world though, Joe. I wouldn't start a keynote speaking career in today's world if I was if I was saying I want to be a speaker mm -hmm. because now social media exists. See, because a messenger, I'm a messenger, and a messenger, and that just means you got a, you got messages you want to share. So so the messenger in me saw, oh well, in 1992 that was stages if you were the keynote speaker. In 2021, it's every day on social media. Right. And that's where, so anybody that quote, wanted to be a speaker said, no, no, you don't want to be a speaker. You want to be a messenger, constantly sharing your messages and often getting invited to stages. And stages now look like Zooms. They look like webinars. They look like 20 minute TED, TEDx talks. Mm -hmm. They look like anywhere where you are the authority getting to share your message. So let me ask you this. I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to know why when you first did that speaking, when you started on this path, what made you think only three years out of college that you had something to then go back and teach the college kids? What, what light bulb went off and said, I can go back and explain to them that I'm doing what I love. None of, none of, none of my peers, I looked around and none of my peers, all of them that were smarter than me, all of them that had better grades than me, even my peers that went to better schools than me, UC Berkeley and Stanford, they all seemed to lack a fundamental understanding that I was benefiting from, which is you should do what you love. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, you're lucky. <laughs> God, they, they, they all seem to have bought into the giant myth or lie or distortion that says you should do what's hot. You should do what you can get. You should do what pays you good money. Mm -hmm. All of which to me look like us. I'm going to cuss now. Astonishing bullshit. Yeah. Like I think one of the greatest blessings God ever gave me was a radar that said that's inferior bullshit. Mm hmm. That's not what a great, meaningful life of purpose is built on. It's not built on what's hot, on what makes money, you know, on what other people will think is cool. It's built on what your soul thirsts to do. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. I just had this conversation with our, our friend, Chris Hay, where I feel like there's, I don't, I don't know how to even say this, but it feels like we're fixing ourselves later in life. And I wish what you did on that first stage for that co those college kids, we could even go a little earlier in life and, and you know, talk to kids that are, I, I don't know what the age, what the mentality is and what the age group and what they can absorb at a certain age. I don't know that scientific research that's been done, but it would be nice you know how sometimes a, a young kid will see something, they'll see a it's Michael happening, Jordan. Yeah. It's yeah. happening. I you just wish we could move it. I feel like we're all trying to fix it now right. in but, midlife where I wish we could move it earlier. But, you know, I mean, the role models for today's kids that, uh, that are young, that are below 10, 
they're tremendous. Yeah. I have a 12 year old son. And if you've never seen Mr. Beast and my son loves oh, Mr. Yeah, Beast yeah. <laughs> and I love Mr. Beast, that's it. That's a messenger. That's an inspirational messenger who is role modeling. Hey, you can not only do what's wildly joyful and fun, but you can give your, that guy understands giving at a level yep. that I dream of learning, that I yep. dream of embodying. So, you know, every jet, I, I view this next generation as savvier as more enlightened. And it's so awesome to see. Yeah. But Mr. Beast is role modeling for my son. You know, I thought, I, I think, oh, I'm in a role model for my son that you can do what you love and have an abundant life. And Mr. Beast is a better role model. You know, Mr. Beast gets it earlier and at a level that's in, almost incomprehensible. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So you've talked about the speaking part of it. Um, and then how about a little bit about the one man show? Because that was a really interesting story to me about me how that came about. Would you benefit me with a question? Well, I, I want to know like what I, I remember the story, how you saw it on TV and it triggered and you were like, I want to do that. You know, like when you said, I want to create this show and it just that one night in that hotel room that triggered it all for you. I it just like, that's a you're still on stage, but it's a step in a completely different direction. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Okay. So, um, and let me think about making this super relevant for anybody listening. Okay. So what's really remarkable to me is that we can be successful. So maybe someone's listening and say, I, I love my life. I like my life. Mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm successful. And, and you're just clapping along and you're just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this. I'm, I couldn't be happier for you. But I want to I want to tell you a true story from my life about when I felt that way. But I wasn't. But I wasn't. But there was something much bigger that was tugging at my sleeve that was very hard to acknowledge. So I'm, I was this six quote by my standards, a very successful speaker. And then um, but. But there was this secret unrealized ambition, Joe. And you haven't, you haven't heard this story, I think. And the secret unrealized ambition was to be uh, a storyteller in a theater, just the only guy on stage enthralling and entertaining an audience and making them laugh with just a personal story from my life. This, and this was a dream that came to me that was inspired. It's not a dream. It's a, this was a a soul calling that I felt when I was about oh, 22 or 23 years old, because it, um, even before I became a speaker, my girlfriend took me to a theater, not a movie theater. And we watched Spalding Gray, a legendary theater performer, just tell us a story for an hour and a half from behind his desk. And I walked out of that theater, Joe, and I turned to my girlfriend in her old 1964 Rambler. And, and I said, thank you for bringing to me that. That was amazing. And she said, oh yeah, he's so great, isn't he? I said, I looked her in the eyes. I said, no, that was unbelievable. Right. I said, what I would give to do that. Cause I thought I'd just seen the best thing a human being could ever do with their life. Mm -hmm. And you know, and this woman who loved me very much and meant nothing harmful by it turned responded yeah but you'd have to be funny 
Caspald was super funny. Mm-hmm. And what she didn't know is, is that was like shooting an arrow accidentally right through the chink in my armor. Because mm-hmm. I heard it and said, oh yeah, what was I thinking? I just sat in there with a master and I'm not funny and I'm not even a good storyteller. So I'm just sitting here in this 1964 Rambler having myself a pipe dream. Um, I can't do that. What he just did, he made it look effortless because he's a master. And so I built a speaking career, which I very, very, very much love, but I still had this secret unrealized ambition. And at 30, what you were referring to is at 33 years old, (laughs) another theater performer had come on the scene a name John Legazamo. And John Legazamo was, in my book, was Spalding Gray times 10. And no disrespect to Spalding Gray, the creator of the medium. Um, but but where Spalding Gray sat behind a desk, John Legazamo tore up, used the entire stage, became 18 different characters, male, female, young or old, and was 10 times funnier in my book. So I, he came on a hotel, I was there in a hotel room, and he, his, his HBO special came on and I've never felt worse about my, in some way about my sort of career self and my, in, well, viscerally, I got this horrible, horrible ache, pain in my solar plex. And it was a pain of fear, of paralysis, of envy, of self-loathing because what, because it was this swirling ball of hell in my stomach that said, I love what this man's doing and I want it so bad for myself, but it's impossible for me to get to because it's, it's, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to ever do what I dream of doing. And, and that was, that was the, that was my fear of not doing it you know, built up for 10 years is, as we like to say in my business, Bliss Champions, your purpose left unattended to becomes a purpose curse, becomes a curse. And so on the hotel room bed, I felt the curse and the pain. And fortunately, I grabbed for a pad of paper and I wrote at the top, what are you so afraid of? And I started free writing. And I wrote all these fears there. You'd expect them looking bad, looking stupid, being awful, um, wasting my time, you know, uh, wasting money, taking away from my really good speaking career. And then in the end, I wrote something that really surprised me. I'm afraid I won't be as great as John Legazamo or Spalding Gray. And when I wrote that sentence, it like took the lid off of something super dark and evil in me. Because when I saw that sentence in the light of day, I never realized that was one of my fears. It looked absurd. I laughed out loud at the absurdity of, I've never told an, I've never even attempted what they've done. And yet, and yet, the reason why I'm not going for it is because I not I might I'm comparing myself to the greatest human beings on planet Earth at this craft, and it just struck me as ridiculous. And then a voice came into my mind, a thought, 
that I'd never had before. Couldn't you just do it for fun? And the weight of the world was lifted off that secret unrealized ambition. Me, who's so success-minded, had never thought of just doing it for the sake of fun. The pleasure of, I should try that. Who cares if I fail? And that was my ginormous breakthrough on my greatest bliss ever. And so I, so I started doing it for fun shortly after that. And to make a long story short, for 15 years, I toured with my one-person solo show. I, uh, and this is a metric I care about, but is not why I did the show. I did the show for the love of doing the show, for the love of learning to do the show, for the love of hearing audiences laugh. But in the end, what blows my mind is 100,000 people bought tickets to see my show. 100,000 people sat in my audience. For 15 years, I had a red carpet tour of the theater world. And today it's being made into a Hollywood movie. Amazing. Right? Yeah, it's incredible. So. So what you said, where you said, why not just do it for fun? If someone's in the same spot that you were in at that hotel room when you were watching him perform on that HBO special, would you say that that's a good starting point for some people who just can't seem to 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 do that thing that they so want to do? Is it just is that a good trigger? I I, I don't know if that's the right thing. It but is, is. A, okay. In Bliss Champions, we've learned, you know, we've got a real extraordinary map for, 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 these, for these kind of, we call them bliss journeys. You know, going into speaking was a bliss journey for me, a journey to follow my bliss. Going into theater was a journey to follow my bliss. Writing a book was a journey to follow my bliss. So we've got a really detailed map. And, and what's surprising is the biggest pitfall we know of on the map is the desire to monetize what's blissful to you too soon, too early. So you think of your bliss, right? And then immediately society has trained us to think, but how will you make money at that? Mm -hmm. And that kills more bliss journeys. Uh, the two biggest killers of all bliss journeys is not getting started and trying to monetize too soon, even think about monetizing too soon. So the, the antidote to monetizing too soon is forget about monetizing, do it for fun. Do it for fun. The benefit is joy. Mm -hmm. The benefit is fun. The benefit is aliveness. Then the benefit is ball in motion and momentum has to be included in anybody's realistic formula of great success. Momentum is one of the major ingredients of great success. So as long as you're sitting around not doing something, trying to figure out how you how you can guarantee success on it. You got no momentum. You got nothing. Yep. Yeah. That's but yeah. Just do it for fun. I love it. That's, that's my mantra now, Joe is. I love it. Is I don't wake up in my career and figure out how to do things for money. I wake up and, and I figure out how to do things for joy and the money. I mean, I, you know, I care about money. I make good money, but the money is an, is a secondary thought. And it, as long as money has that rightful 
positioning in my life, it's secondary. Mm-hmm. Like once I've, once I've figured out what's joyful to me and I've got in motion in it, we can figure out how to monetize it. No right. problem. If you know what we teach in bliss champions, if you can't monetize your, your most blissful activity, don't blame it on your bliss, blame it on your, on your business skills. And you don't have to blame it on your business skills. You just have to know it's not my bliss that I can't monetize. I don't have to change my bliss or forego my bliss. I have to learn to monetize. Yeah, it's, you hit it on the head. I, and I, it's, it's, a, it's amazing how many people have such great talents, great ideas, great aspirations. And it's just that putting that one foot in front of the next one. And the one thing I think it, you hit it right on the head is just, I, I can't make a living at that. How can I do that? How, and it's, it's, it would be so cool if people just did it for the fun of it. And then the joy and what they bring to other people, all of that other stuff, the universe delivers because it just realizes that's what you were meant to do, right? It's just, yeah. well, we, so you mentioned Bliss Champions, you know, throughout this conversation. And I think this is the appropriate time now to sort of clue in, because again, we're, we're limited on time and I have a million things. So let's talk about Bliss Champions. So I would like to know, uh, I ran across it just because once we got off that call where you were teaching us uh, how to tell the story, you know, tell our story in a, in a very creative way, uh, I then was doing all my own research and I said, who is this guy, man? I love the way he talks and I can tell that he, there's just something about him and his soul that's on fire and I want to know more about it. And then it took me to Bliss Champion. So I'd like for you to explain to the audience what Bliss Champions is, what it does, what, you know, how, and then we'll put in the show links, all of the other stuff to get in touch with you. But I, you know, to explain what it, what its purpose is would be awesome. Okay. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a, a scoop, Joe, too. I don't know when you're going to publish this. In, a, in about one week, two weeks tops, we're going to announce our brand new book. Okay. And I'm so excited about it. It is the conversation we're having. Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you, you're the first person I'm going to tell. It's called Purpose Code, How to Unlock Your Purpose, um, Maximize Your Joy, Astound Yourself. And... Um, if someone says, oh, geez, I, I'm interested in this free report we made about it, which is the 10 reasons why people don't unlock their purpose, go to purposecode.com. Okay, so no one knows that website exists yet. Okay. So, so, but they're going to find out first through you, Joe. Okay, cool. Purposecode.com. I love so it. So Bliss Champions. Um, Bliss Champions. So the surprising thing, Joe, is in, you tell me how much you've seen this. I can't believe how much I've seen. It's shocking to me is how many successful business owners there are who are lacking joy. These are people I'm telling you like mega millions dream home, not one dream car in the driveway, as many as they desire, looked up to by all their peers and all their employees, um, happy that they built the business, happy they overcame all this stuff and made it to the top. 
but their deepest secret is something's missing. And so my business partner was one of those guys. You know, he cashed out for 50 million bucks and still something was missing. So his story is quite remarkable. He's not here, so we won't tell it. But, um, but uh, as you, so, so he both knew it through personal experience and sitting in on groups like on EO, you know what EO is? Mm -hmm. EO is the entrepreneur's organization. You got to be a successful entrepreneur to qualify to get in. Well, one of the first things that my business partner saw up close and personal through that organization is, wow, so many people here have secret unrealized ambitions that they're not going for because somehow their successful business has them in a little bit of a bind. And somehow along the way, while they were flexing their entrepreneurial muscles, they, their, their muscles for joy and bliss atrophied or were never developed. And so we both inherently understood um, how much impact, if you can shift a person at the top of an organization to be joyful, they will spread they will spread that message through the entire organization leaders that lead from joy mm -hmm. and that follow their bliss want everybody to follow their bliss and maximize their joy that is the you can't be living joyfully and blissfully truly without wanting to spread joy and bliss it's impossible love it's impossible for love to not desire to spread love so, um, so bliss champions is our remedy. It's we're four years into, into, uh, seeking out and accepting individuals who, who are successful, but know something is missing. They don't know how to figure out what, what is missing and what would be in their lexicon, a smart move, right? Cause they're used to everything being quote smart. Right. What, what would be a good, smart, legitimate move that would bring them more joy? And we're experts at that. We help them unlock their purpose because once you know exactly what your purpose is and you can put it in words, you have a true north. Mm -hmm. And you not now you don't make missteps. And then but once you unlock your purpose, then then the great opportunity is to feel great. You know what your purpose is? What bliss journey should you take up? And there's a lot of choices. So you have to have a good decision-making structure. So we call ourselves bliss Sherpas because we've been up and down the, the, on our own bliss journeys through our whole lives. That's, that's been the blessing of our lives. We know the territory. We know the mistakes. We know the pitfalls. We know where, where people quit and why they quit. So we Sherpa people up uh, on blissful journeys. And all of our secrets to doing that, I've been a Sherpa for people following their passion and living their dreams and following their bliss for 25 years. Um, and Eric has been doing it for an equal amount of time as a CEO of large organizations. So this is why I'm so thrilled that we wrote a book together on it. And the book's called Purpose Code and all of our secrets are in that book. That's great. Was there some momentous occasion that how you and Eric connected? Yeah, Eric cashed out for millions of dollars 
and he uh, and the day after he cashed out and he went to lay in by his pool just you overlooking his wine estate <laughs> he was rushed to the hospital and almost died from uh. while he was laying in that hospital bed contemplating his mortality he realized i didn't finish the job of my purpose and he knew that he eric's always known i've known eric 25 years eric has always known his purpose is to help other people, is to help, is to inspire himself to live joyfully mm-hmm. and to take that inspiration and spread it to other people. This is the thing about purpose. Here's a lesson in purpose. Your purpose is first and foremost, what selfishly brings you joy. And you can't spot your purpose if you're looking for, if you're looking outside of yourself for where to save the world, you will, you'll, you won't see it. When you say, look, it's just selfish. Something inside me always, you know, is always finds joy when I'm in this direction, when I'm doing this kind of activity. I, I'm my best self. Once you identify where you're your best self, what you'll see is then that when you give yourself that gift, you automatically give it to others and desire to give it to others. And that's where your purpose becomes a service to the world. So... So Eric figured out, man, you know, I've, I've, I've always been living my purpose, but I slipped off track while I was going on flexing his entrepreneurial muscles and going on this incredible monetary tear. Mm-hmm. And so he got out of the hospital, began working on his health and called me up and said, let's start Bliss Champions. There's a, there's a, he said, there's, you know, the one thing you and I have always been united on is wanting to help people follow their bliss. Now that's really crazy that's and the reason why i said yes is because i had hidden from my bliss for 10 years in in fear right my secret ambition seemed impossible and so i knew the cost of doing that i knew the falsehood of doing that and i and i knew the i knew the tremendous treasures that await anybody on the other side of finally finding the wherewithal to do it and so as i said once you've experienced that kind of joy and bliss and truth, you want to share it with others. You want to say, like, I'll show you where your greatest life is. And society just doesn't, it just doesn't have enough messages. You know, society has too many messages about smart, about practical, about money, about status. And all that stuff comes with following your bliss. But it can't be, it can't be the, deciding factors or you won't know where your bliss is calling you to. Yeah. It's like we have it backwards. It's like the cart before the horse. Right. And if we can just flip it, it's everything just sort of opens up and, and through bliss champions, you help people to work through this. And then ultimately the the goal would be, is it, is it a week long? Uh, It's a six, it's a six month program, six month program. So six month program, people apply to get in, you know, we, we, we we work with seven people at a time, um, cohorts of super small seven. So it's super individual. And, um, and then it culminates after six months of coaching and masterminding, it culminates in our super, super specialty. We take you to bliss Island, which is out in Hawaii where we own a property and we run an extraordinary, um, five day retreat. To, to, to really launch our, our participants in, into their bliss. Yeah, 
It's incredible. Well, it's I love fun. It. It's you know, you know fun. that I love it. I just, yeah. one of these days I'm going to be a bliss champion. I'll have to figure that out, but sooner than later. <laughs> yeah. We've launched, we've launched authors. We've launched, uh, uh, you know, we've taken people that, that thought this isn't a, this isn't worth a book. And now they're published with one of the best publishers on earth and they've got a multi thing deal. We we've, we, one guy, his only, he said his bliss was motorcycles riding Harleys. And he thought, what can I do with that? That you can't monetize that. And, and now he has one of the only uh, dealership licenses in the country to rent uh, Harleys and take people on Harley tours, Harley bike tours. Mm -hmm. He has his own Harley bike tour dealership. We've taken CEOs who had giant companies, but weren't happy. And now they're super joyful, super happy. Their marriages are better. And they're, and in addition to running their company, they're joyfully doing this thing. They always dreamed of doing They're their more amplified express self. So our stories sound like that, you know? Yeah, that's great. Um, so how can someone find out about Bliss Champions and how do they go about doing what they need to, to, you know, become a part of that program? Well, um, let's, uh, I'm going to answer that really quickly and then let's go to different territory if okay. you don't mind. Okay. Cause I don't want someone listening to this. I'm, I'm looking at the clock here and I think we have about 12 <laughs> minutes and I, like I just want, I think it's time. amazing. So I wanted to Thanks. give it its time because I think well, everybody, amazing. everybody should start at purpose, <laughs> at purpose code. Cause the biggest value that they can get right away is truly to read this report that I wrote. And it's called the 10 things that stop people from unlocking their purpose. You got to know how come I don't know my purpose. What am I missing here? So go to purposecode.com and just grab that free report. Perfect. And then and then it'll it'll lead you to learning about Bliss Champions. It's an application process. I would love people to apply. It's free to apply, you know, and, and then we individually interview you, get to know you. And and um, we have all kinds of ways to serve. And Perfect. you can get the book in your hands. Okay, cool. But um, but uh let's 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 see how many more how much more insight or something super helpful we can pack into the last 10 minutes here. Perfect. So I have something that I, I totally wanted to ask you that if you can put it in an understandable layman's terms where it doesn't come across as being overly spiritual and foo-foo, but you talk about being present, right? And so many people these days are talking about that, but I love watching your talks when you, you know, you're outdoors taking a walk and you have your phone and you talk about it. Um, but how do you put it in, in like everyday terms, terms for, yeah, yeah, because, you know, yeah. everyone looks at it and go, wait a second, you want me to sit in silence for 10 minutes, meditate, or you want me right, to, right. yeah, all of those things to pull yourself back in, to be centered, hold space for yourself, all these things. And, and it's just so hard these days, we're getting bombarded from all sides. So, I, because of you and how you can communicate these things, I, I want to know from you what being present means and how someone could practice it on a daily basis. Okay. It's not this. this you're making me super, you're making me super happier because now you're bringing up my next favorite subject. Perfect. Awesome. So I, um, I am both deeply spiritual about this, but, um, but I, there's no need to talk about it in that way because I didn't approach it that way. I just approached it from, man, I need, I need a different way to do my life. And I found that different way to do my life. And it was the most revolutionary, impactful, beneficial thing I've ever learned or done in my life. And so 
uh, you'll see me spend the majority of the rest of my, my life has boiled down to two, two things, two things. On one hand, follow your bliss. And we've been talking about why. Why? Because it's your bliss. It will bring you bliss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we say in Bliss Champions sometimes, is there something better than bliss? Because bliss means perfect happiness. (laughs) So what are you looking for if you're not looking for perfect (laughs) happiness? So, but in follow your bliss, there's a doingness to it, right? It's it's okay. We we don't send... Uh, but there is another path to bliss. And so I have a right hand and a left hand strategy to life in my right hand, because I I love having a career. I love having something to do every day. Uh, I love making, uh, you know, while having a career, I follow my bliss. And in my left hand, I, I know where bliss is without doing anything. I know how to find bliss every single day of my life, no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances, no matter the hardships, no matter the challenges, I know where bliss is even in storms. So my career could not be going well, but in my left hand, I still know where joy is every single day and how to get there in a concrete fashion. So that to me, my le- this left-hand strategy I'm talking about that you brought up that I call a presence practice, um, that's where it sits in my life. So let's see. It's a good window into this. I'm taking a little quiet space for it to find me. Why would someone want to practice presence? Because what I didn't know, I, w- I was well into my 40s, Joe, and I had never once wielded the word ego. And, it, and, and up until the point when I got a new definition and it became very meaningful to me, ego to me meant don't be egotistical. It meant, oh, or you have a healthy ego. It takes a healthy ego. That's all I thought of ego. When I use, the, and, then, and then to be honest with you, I hit a rock bottom in my life sometime in my 40s. My ego, my, the, my shadow self, my bad behavior, the worst of me, um, the worst of me put me in a position where I, where, where I was at my rock bottom. And I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. And I reached for, a, there had been a book sitting on my shelf for a long time that I had no interest in. It was called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. And I grabbed this book and it re-educated me and it re-informed me and it completely transformed my life. The book didn't transform my life as much as my adherence to what the book said for the next seven years on a daily basis transformed my life. It did it very quickly, but I was so in love with what I was discovering that, that I just kept being a diligent student of what Eckhart Tolle calls presence. Okay, so in a very short amount of time, here's what I would love somebody to experiment with on this call that is (laughs) non-spiritual. The only thing that is ever causing you a bad feeling is your thoughts. 
now. So I had to wrap my mind around that first experiment with that because I used to believe, no, I'm having a bad feeling because this shitty thing happened. And I was positive that was true until I wasn't, until I began to say, wait a minute, is there a buffer in me that's causing the pain, not the situation? This is easily answered, but you should, but everybody should try it on. That's life-changing because what if situations and bad circumstances are not causing you bad feelings? What if it's what you think about those bad circumstances, how often you think about those bad circumstances that are causing you a bad feeling, okay? For instance, um, I wanted to talk about the pandemic and then I'll talk about the pandemic. For instance, the day that it's announced that we're going to be in quarantine for however long, an indeterminate amount in 2020, people in the world had multiple possibilities for a thought about it. Somebody sitting there home could have taken that news and began thinking all kinds of really bad thoughts that, hey, are well justified. I'm not here to argue with, the, with, the, with whether that thought is justified, but somebody could have been sitting there thinking, this is awful. I might lose my job. I, I like going outside. Now I can't going outside. What are the implications of not going outside? What if I'm in that my house forever? What if I get COVID and I die? What if my friends get COVID and I die? What if they never live this? The governor is terrible. The president is terrible. The vaccine is terrible. Was it made, made in a lab? Those thoughts are causing in a, a bad, bad negative emotions in the body. And what if, and some people thought those every hour of every day, mm-hmm. not, not by choice, but by, by habituated pattern of their mind getting to think without ever being safety check, without ever anybody, any other force saying, hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do we wanna think like this? 24 seven, is it serving us? Okay. But equally to, and lots of people did that. So lots of people had horrible emotions and I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, be aware. That's why you had horrible emotions. What didn't happen is the pandemic is the, the announcement, the pandemic did not reach into anybody's body invisibly and say, you now feel bad. Outside circumstances cannot reach in your body and, and flip switches and say, you feel bad. They cannot be the cause. It's only your thoughts can be the cause. Equally so and wildly true, unbeknownst to me just six years ago, but now perfectly known to me. And the most exciting thing I've ever learned is some people heard the news of the pandemic and, and thought and thought like this, oh, we're going to go into quarantine. Now it's time to wash the dishes. And didn't have further thoughts about it yeah. until there was more news or until those thoughts were necessary and didn't feel negative emotions or if they did feel the negative emotions, only felt them for as long as that emotion lasted while it wasn't being sustained by unchecked, unreasonable, insane 
incessant thinking. So a presence practice is simply, well, on one hand, a presence practice is the deep recognition that circumstances don't cause you upset. Your thoughts about them do. And your ego, ego should be defined as when, when you're not thinking your thoughts, they're thinking you. And you don't even know it. So I learned to not be the crazy guy, the insane guy who's washing dishes, who's physically washing dishes, but who mentally in my mind for 15, 20, 30 minutes is having an imaginary argument that I'm winning with somebody else. I learned to not be that guy. I learned that I, that I was constant, that we're all constantly that guy. And that you don't have to be, that you can wash dishes while you wash dishes. And that if you do so, here's what I promise you, because I know from experience, if you learn to quiet, to, to say presence means I'm not going to be in the future. I'm not going to be in hallucinatory future scenarios. I'm not going to let my mind run off to hallucinatory past scenarios. I'm not going to hallucinate about the future. I'm not going to hallucinate about the past because those can only be hallucinations or call them imaginations. You cannot make the future real. You cannot make the past real. The only real is ever what you can find through your five senses. So presence practice means live in the real more often. You wanna think about something? Think about what you're doing. Be what you're doing. You're washing dishes, wash the dishes. If you're working on your book, work on your book. If you're talking to another person, talk to another person. If you're watching the birds in your yard, watch the birds in your yard. So here's the, let me give this the, for me, the big wild finish. First of all, if that's all I ever knew and I figured out how to do that six years ago without any other further teachings, I would be right where I am today. I, and these are not light sentences to me. These are the greatest revelations of my life. Peace, a profound sense of constant peace, a profound sense of joy for no reason and a loving feeling, you know, that filled what I used to have this black hole of, gee, I wish I could get more love. And now I have a fountain of love that just comes from inside me for no reason. Peace, love, and joy for no reason are what automatically and guaranteed come from being present. It doesn't require meditation. It requires noticing that your thoughts are running rampantly out of your control and you can distance yourself from them. And then once you distance yourself from them, you can, I, li I like to call the, the, them the roommate. You can notice your thoughts are not you. They are a crazy roommate that's always stirring up shit in your head and never stops talking. And you are not that roommate. And you can move that roommate to the garage. And the day you move, it, it doesn't happen in a day. The more you put that roommate in the garage, 100%. Peace, joy, love for no reason other than you moved your roommate to the garage and 
miracles will begin manifesting in your life. For some reason, the entire universe is more capable than of coming to support your happiness. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I just, I can sit and talk with you all day and we've already gone over it, man. I could just, I literally could sit here and, and do this. Um, I, so before we leave this one subject, I think it's important. Is there, is there any sort of, of when you talk about the practice, is there any little tidbits of how someone can do that in the simplest way? Because I think everyone gets bogged down with all of the things. For example, we talk about meditation. It's just hard. I mean, I used to get up every day and I, I made it a promise that I wouldn't do anything until I just put my headphones on, put the app on, on my iPhone, turned everything else off so it wouldn't be interrupted and just did it. And I felt like that was my most productive. Let's say it was a year that I did it straight. I haven't done it in so long. And I feel like I got to get back to it. I, I can do it. Like I, I don't mind meditating, but first there are people that will never do that. So what is a super, I'm super one of those simple... people that doesn't meditate. Okay. I was one of those people that will never meditate. Okay. And I'm really happy to say that, that both are fantastic choices, whichever you feel called to clearly, and they both lead to the same way. But if someone, if, if in some crazy, really, uh, in the, you know, hypothetical, I can tell when I'm saying something stupid, I'm saying something stupid, but in some crazy, stupid, hypothetical situation, I said, Patrick, you have to choose one for the world meditation or presence practice. I would say, we got to go with presence practice. It, it, it's easier. Okay. So, um, yes, I have two things that are really simple and super practical and bless you for asking <laughs> Joe, the number one thing. And, and wildly enough, the, this, what I'm about to say is the prescription and the advice of seemingly every great teacher, you know, uh, on the planet, uh, that's, that is spiritual. And it's, it, it's to be conscious of, of one single breath. So at any point in time, you go, Oh, I want to do it. I'm going to try this presence practice. You would simply take one breath and be aware of that, of your breathing for one breath. Um, and your awareness, you, you can shift around. You just say, look, my job is to be aware that I'm having this breath. So that for you, that might mean, oh, I'm gonna focus on the feeling of the air coming into my body and exhaling from my body. Or you might say, I'm gonna become aware of the feeling of my body expanding and contracting. Or you might, your awareness might say, I'm going to be aware of the sound of my breath. It doesn't matter. One conscious breath, because it is impossible to be conscious of your breathing and think a thought at the same time. But conscious breath is both a great, it's a great presence practice because it will be difficult for most people at the beginning of their journey to complete one conscious breath without becoming aware, fuck, oh, excuse me. I started thinking, I started thinking during, I, my mind got off the leash and started thinking something halfway into that breath. And so that's the great teacher. One, because that's okay. That's a presence practice. A presence practice isn't, isn't stopping all thoughts. It's becoming aware uh, of the thoughts of the roommate. 
It's becoming, you're, you're, you're winning when you go, ah, the roommate came in and started talking shit while I was trying to take a breath. <laughs> so that's called awake. That's a state of awakeness. That, in, as long as you're awake to your thoughts, peace, love, joy, and miracles will begin pouring into your life. Mark my words. Um, so, but as you will practice that too, you can take a conscious breath without thinking on most given days. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. The second practice, right, is um, that built my life on this is step number one, notice when you're feeling anything that's bad. The only thing this doesn't apply to is physical pain. Okay, so I want just so people eliminate physical pain. It can be applied to physical pain, but let's just say that's an advanced course. Okay, but the step number one, the most important step is to notice, oh, I'm feeling upset in any way. And there should only be one word it would be helpful if, if people changed and said, there's only one word now. Uh, we're going to throw out all these different various words, hate, depression, loneliness, sadness, grief, worry, overwhelm, stress, anxiety. Who cares? Fear. They all deserve really one word, suffering. They're all a form of suffering. So notice the next time that you're suffering, a negative emotion. Boom. Now there's a great opportunity for step number two. Okay. And usually when you notice this, what's fascinating is you'll have been feeling it for a long time. That's how long it takes for awareness to come in and say, wow, I'm feeling something bad here. <laughs> but I, I did this for, a, for at least a year and oh my God, it changed my life. So first I'd notice I have a, a bad feeling. Step number two is built on the awareness we already learned. Every bad feeling began with a thought that was against something happening. Every bad feeling is caused by a thought that always follows the same uh, uh, structure. This shouldn't be happening to me. This shouldn't be happening. Okay. So when you have a bad feeling, it, like you're like a, a person trying to defuse a bomb before it really blows up. And so you trace the wires knowing at the other end of the wire, there will be a thought. You had a thought at the other end of those wires that was something about you thought it shouldn't be happening. Let me give you some examples. He or she shouldn't have spoken to me like that. I should have gotten that job. I shouldn't have gotten that. There should be more money in my bank account. There should be a different president. There, uh, there, there, that guy shouldn't be president. That shouldn't have happened through my television screen. I shouldn't uh, be in this condition. I shouldn't have that ailment. I shouldn't have this pressure. I shouldn't have been raised that way. I shouldn't. So all you're doing is tracing those wires to what did I think shouldn't be as it is. That was the source of your pain. Now, once you have that, the third step is um, to take that shouldn't, it shouldn't have, and see if you can find any part of yourself, and you always can, it's harder at first, that says, I can allow that it, that it is that way. And your why, your justification, why can you allow that it is that way? Can always be sanity because it is that way. And as soon as you accomplish 
any ability to allow that what you were against to just allow that it is it's even if it's temporary allowance it's not saying i'm okay with that person being president forever it's not an allowance of forever it's i'm okay i can allow that that person is president currently because they are so you're just looking for this momentary allowance of what all spiritual teachers say of what is <laughs> to be against. And I love it when they point out to be against what is, is insanity because uh, I'm against that. This can exist really because it exists. Could you allow that it exists? I can allow that it exists. Why? Because it does exist. <laughs> right. So simple, just, right? Uh, now it's not a total acceptance of hey, and I and I can I'm a, I, and I'm allowing that these cans will exist for forever. It's not saying that. Can you allow that it exists right now? At first, you'll hear your ego go, "No, I hate that can." But can you allow that it exists right now? Is anything can? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> it exists right now. <laughs> and and all. All the, it shouldn't exist. All, it shouldn't exist. It shouldn't exist. You could do that for 12 years, 24 seven. This can will still exist. So if you can allow it, that it exists, you have accomplished a presence practice because presence will, what will happen next will always happen. You will feel better. And you'll notice, wow, I feel I'm returning to peace. And once you accomplish returning to peace, you'll notice, oh, I just feel in general more love. And then after a while, you'll notice, someday you'll take in a, a measure of your life, you'll know, say, is my life joyful? And you say, my life's joyful all the time, everywhere. Why? Because you moved your roommate, your ego, <laughs> the to the <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. Now, the, there's a fourth final step to that. And um, I, I think of it as advanced. But so sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's easy, but it's super fun. The fourth step, the third step was, can you allow that something is what it is? And the fourth possibility is, can you embrace that it is what it is? Is there anything in you that could embrace, that could say, not only can I allow the can is there, but I can embrace that the can is there. And you can see why that's a harder step. Because something you were previously just totally against, could you embrace it? Now, it's a, that's a different sort of class. It's not complicated, but it takes more words. My journey towards learning to embrace things I was previously against. But I'll tell you, like some of the greatest revelations of your life come when you learn to embrace everything. Everything. It's really powerful, man. That's... Oh, it's not woo woo, is it? It's not woo woo at all. It's just it's it, we complicate things so uh, it, it's amazing how much we complicate things. And, but you and, know what's crazy is it's also super spiritual. It's what the spiritual masters on the planet from all these different religions are telling us is the doorway to heaven. And I know it to be true for myself. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you going through that because I think people need that simplicity to 
start attacking that and, 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 you know, working on that practice. And if it's too complicated and if it's too foo-foo and it's too spiritual and it's too all that other stuff, say, no, it's not, this is all it is. It's, you know, just alone, just from taking yoga, just to sit there and breathe is so difficult sometimes just to, to concentrate on it. So I appreciate you going through that. Super helpful. Yeah, cool. All right, my friend, I've kept you way too long uh, past what we we had agreed upon. And I really appreciate your time. You are such an inspiration to me. I you know that I'm so glad our paths crossed. It was was meant to be, I think, for me, anyhow. Um, For me, too, Joe. Yeah, very, 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 very much. You know, it wasn't me me talking today. Right. It was a conversation emerging between us. So we are equals in what we did today. So thank you so much. Hey, it's my pleasure. And um, what is the best way for the audience to get in contact with you? You My my preferred, my preferred way would be uh, to go to Facebook and find me Patrick Combs at Facebook. And when they friend request me, I just really wish people, I wish it was a common habit for people to to say, Hey, I'm friend requesting you because I, I I met you through Joe Costello. Um, that would be meaningful to get friend requests like that. And, um, and then the second thing is, uh, do go check out what we're doing at blisschampions.com after you've gone to purpose code and gotten that free report. And I have a website called patrickcombs.com. And that, that tells you, that tells you more than you'll ever desire to know about me. (laughs) All right, Patrick. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your thoughts and inspiration. And I I feel a thousand times better just from this conversation. So (laughs) I really do. I appreciate it. I'm ready to conquer the world. So I really appreciate you very much. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much. I appreciate you too. I'm very honored that you are listening to my podcast. And if you really like what you are hearing, if you would please rate it, that would be great. And if you have the time to write a review, I would be very much grateful for that. Thank you so much. And I hope you join me again for future episodes.